Hey, drama listeners, Connor here. Before we dive into our very last, very special episode of our Pride series, I want to let you all know that we are doing a merchandise giveaway. Oh my God. In addition to our weekly Wednesday episodes, Dylan and I have a bonus content platform over on patreon.com slash the drama podcast. So we've got 40 plus bonus episodes, interviews, content, and you get access to our Instagram close friends, all for the very cheap amount of $5 a month. It's a steal, honestly, in this economy, come on. So the giveaway involves this. For the first three new patrons who sign up, we will send you an item of your choosing from our Summer of Drama merchandise series. That's right, you can spend $5, get every Patreon perk, and either a koozie or tumbler. It's a summer must-have. I mean, come on. Spend your summer with drama by heading over to patreon.com slash thedramapodcast to join the Patreon fam and get your merch. All right, on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New, New York, York City, City and, and the world. The world. Dylan, I almost just forgot everything I was supposed to say. I don't know if it's, but my brain wasn't. No, it's because we recorded a bonus episode for Patreon beforehand, and that has a different intro oh, that only yeah. those who are on that platform know. Yes, 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 yes. But of if course, everyone should be on there. And if you're not on the Patreon, you're only getting half the story, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they say. That's what they say on, on our podcast and also on Drag Race. But Dylan, we've reached the end of Pride Month. Sadly, it has come and gone. I know. At least at the point that this is coming out, it's the end of Pride Month. Right. We still have we, half so, we somehow need to muster the strength <laughs> to make it through the rest of it. I don't know how. You know what'll help me actually is that by the time this comes out, RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season six will be out, and yes. that's gonna. I'm actually ready. I know. Well, I think you're ready now because we, the aforementioned bonus platform Patreon, we're releasing an episode where we kind of do a little rundown on who's going to be on the season. Oh, true, 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 true. You know what? You're right. I got so- And that got you excited. I could see it in your eyes. You were like, too much Drag Race. And then you were like, no, wait, I'm excited. I know. Oh, my God. And I, we, listeners, we predict a final four. So you're going to want to go and subscribe and listen because it's for Patreon listeners only. But anyway, Dylan, we have a really special guest today. Somebody mm-hmm. who's a little- their experiences are a little bit different and that's what i'm obsessed with because when we got in touch a a while ago we were like wait let's wait till pride month because i knew that they would bring a fresh perspective that isn't often brought to the pod right i'm gonna gonna say a word about this person trail blazer yes and i think that 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 i'm gonna read an intro and introduce our guest to to him because he is amazing and he first came into my life on my favorite podcast race chaser on their hot goss episode with Willem in Alaska. And I was immediately just like, first of all, blown away by him, but also by the banter between him and Willem in particular. And I remember saying to Connor, I was like, you need to listen because this is like how you do an interview. I know. And I was, and you know what, Dylan, I listened. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? I yeah, listened I and I was listen. like, I was like, okay, he's got a really hot voice. That was like <laughs> one of my big takeaways, which he probably gets all the time. And then like a week later, we're in we each did. other's DMs. I know. Just out I of know. the blue. So anyway. 
please welcome him with this fabulous intro okay. that you wrote. Okay. Our guest today is here to tackle our pride celebrations. He's the first openly gay major league rugby player pro having come out in late 2020 blitzing the sports world with his brave and candid story before changing the game our guest grew up in boston massachusetts where he went on to play for the major league rugby team the new england free jacks in their 2019 exhibition season his time on team usa at the 2017 world maccabia maccabia games in israel won him a gold medal his winning streak continued in 2018 as he clinched the 2018 D1 National Championship with the Mystic River Rugby Club, his club team. This athlete has coached in New Zealand, his alma mater, and the Northeast Academy, utilizing his degree in sport management and education from the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He's been featured in Attitude Magazine, countless podcasts, including Race Chasers Hot Goss with Willem and Alaska, Pink News, and so much more since his public coming out. He was named the Global Ambassador for International Gay Rugby in May 2021, and is an activist having recently raised over $8,000 for the Transgender Law Center. Please welcome to drama, Devin, Devin Ibanez. Ibanez. Thank you guys so much for having me. That was an incredible intro, I must say. That was that was top level of hype. And also, it's funny you guys mentioned that I was good on the Race Chaser interview because I was terrified. I like was fully shaking. Do you know when you do that thing where you're on an interview and you're like smiling, but you start smiling so much that your face starts twitching? That was me the entire interview. <laughs> they loved you. They loved you. And I think, you know, all the listeners fell in love too because you were so like chill. I don't know, it just went so well. Chill in, chill in a fun way. Yeah, chill is not how I would have described myself during that interview, but well, also fun fact with that is I didn't know that they were gonna be like there on Zoom. I wasn't sure if it was just gonna be like an audio thing. So I like click on and they're just like there and my camera's off and I'm just like, oh, I guess I'm gonna be, I guess I'm gonna be face to face with them now. And I was just like, Imagine also being like nervous about talking to two of your favorite drag queens. And then they also ask you to do a sports segment to a group of people who do not give a shit about what happened in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was like this fun segment where you were like translating the Super Bowl for <laughs> perhaps mostly a queer listenership. And what I did love, though, is you threw in fun facts though about like Gronk and things like that that maybe the untrained ear wouldn't know. Wait, what is a Gronk? I'm just kidding. He's hot. He is hot. He's like a he's like a celeb football player, you know? Mm -hmm. He is. He's very well known. He was also he he played like an odd role on one of the seasons of Big Brother. Are you familiar with that show, Devin? I am familiar with Big Brother, but I haven't seen that season. He was also on The Masked Singer. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, he was. <laughs> I wonder how he did. I need to look that up. I don't think he was fantastic. I, I, I all of a sudden care. <laughs> you don't think so? I'm all of a sudden very passionate about Gronk's career. I, I don't know what's going on. But I want to dive into like drag race and your queer experience and just like everything there is to know about you. But before we do, I want to ask you, Devin, are you well? I am very well-ish. I, I was talking to you guys before the podcast, but it was a very good day, but it was just one of those days where I just spent way too much time in the sun. So it's like my face is hot. I've got a nice little like back of the head, kind of a headache, you know, one of those nice ones. Uh, but honestly, you guys have lifted it straight away. I'm feeling so much better already. So I'm excited to be talking to you too. Oh, I love to hear it. That's so sweet. So now where are you right now? Just for the, for the listener's sake. 
I'm in the exotic country of Wales, um, up in North Wales in the country, in a uh, town known as Rill, which one of my favorite things about Rill is that all the towns around it are nicer than Rill. So it's really exciting every time we leave the town and go see what's next to it. And, and why, why are you in Wales? So my partner is based in London and I'm usually based in Boston, Massachusetts. So I'm actually over here because two months ago, I basically told my job, uh, you're not gonna see me for a little while. And then I came over here to spend two months with him because we've been apart for the pandemic. And we've also been apart since I you know, came out at the end of 2020. So needed to get some quality time in together. And so I've been here for two months and unfortunately I do have to go home um, on Sunday. Oh. Oh no. Okay. Wait. So I, I was telling you also before that I've been deep diving into your life for the last few weeks, but for our listeners, they, they, they maybe aren't too familiar with your story, but I think it's really interesting. And I also think it's interesting to talk about during pride month because I, for one, am very into coming out stories. I just, I never get tired of them. And do you mind giving us like a quick summary of the past six months of your life? of what happened in December leading you up to appearing on drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell. Ooh, so the, the post coming out rundown, um, it was really just like crazy and surreal. Like I made a coming out post on my personal Facebook page. A lot of people think it was on Instagram because that's where it kind of took off. But actually it was just something that I put out to, you know, like all the people I've met over the years with rugby and, you know, high school, college, and I just put it on there and, Fergus had actually created my Instagram for me like months prior as a way to like, just say here, you should use this for rugby because you haven't been able to play this year. You know, you would, it would be great if you could put pictures and like videos you playing, it would make you feel better about missing the game. And when I came out, he was like, this would be a perfect first post for your Instagram. Like we should take a few pictures, put it up on there. And I was like, you know what, that sounds like a great idea. And from there, like, I didn't even have an Instagram really before it. If you do a really deep dive, you'll see I do have an Instagram, but I made- I found it, I found yeah. it. <laughs> I made like four posts on it in like 2011 of like a fountain in Philadelphia with like a bad filter on it. <laughs> it is private now, <laughs> it's all private now, but I didn't have any experience with it whatsoever. So. It just blew up into this thing where I all of a sudden had these like a few thousand followers in just a couple of days and I didn't really know what to do with it. And now I was getting all these crazy interviews and, you know, I ended up getting the Attitude magazine feature. Um, Willem was actually one of those first people who had kind of like commented on the post and there was a funny piece about that because literally the same night that Willem commented, right before Fergus went to bed, we were doing the whole joking of like, oh, like you're famous now, Devin, like look at all these people who have looked at your post and I was like, I'm not gonna feel like I've made it until one of my favorite drag queens like follows me or comments on my page. And literally like later that night, Willem comments and then I DM Willem just like, fangirling and then Willem yeah. offers to bring me on the pod and I was just like over the moon I literally didn't go to sleep until like 4 a.m because I was just so wired up <laughs> this is Dylan's dream what you're describing that is my literal dream that is so <laughs> fun I wondered how you ended up on race chaser that is so cool Willem is so amazing I actually recently read Willem's book I don't know if you've ever read it before it's from a while ago it's kind of like a a, a how-to guide to like suck less is basically what it's called like <laughs> not suck and um it was it was genius and hilarious but like i said the dynamic between the two of you on that episode was so so good were they both in drag when you did it 
So they were both supposed to be in drag, okay. <laughs> but this, the inside scoop was that Will, Willem was not in drag, but Alaska was in full drag looking absolutely flawless. Um, I Willem, I think maybe, maybe had mixed up the dates on that one a little bit. Okay. So you come out on Facebook, the world catches fire. The attitude magazine shoot is so gorgeous. It is like truly like those photos. I would use those photos for the rest of my life, like in every profile picture <laughs> on every social media site I have. Literally. So far, that has pretty much been what's happened. I've used exactly. over like every article. <laughs> but then also imagine like the stress of like also before coming out, I was a very relatively like private person. Like I didn't really like post a lot of pictures, pose for a lot of pictures. And now imagine you're coming out of like a year long quarantine where you're not feeling at your best physically. And they're like, mm -hmm. We want to do a quick turnaround on this. Let's do like a full shoot. Are you are you comfortable being shirtless in two weeks? Fully cut out carbs. Uh -huh. No more carbs for two weeks. Start going to the gym, trying to get ready. I was so stressed before that photo shoot, but it was just like an awesome experience. And yeah, I was really happy with how it turned out. I mean, at this point, you're one of the most famous openly gay professional athletes in the world. And you're definitely paving the way for other young athletes who may or may not already be out to fully embrace themselves, especially in a sports setting, which I suppose, I mean, you would know better than I would, isn't necessarily the most queer friendly space for most, you know? Yeah, and definitely rugby, which has this very like masculine kind of a culture. I think that I think it's a bit of a stretch to say I'm one of the most famous. I still feel very much just kind of like a very normal person, but who knows, maybe maybe someday I'll be up there. But yeah, I think that over the years with rugby, I really, I really didn't just feel like comfortable coming out because I didn't really have anybody else in the sport who was playing at a high level who was like openly gay. And you also still ran into a lot of things where like coaches would just like casually drop homophobic comments and make homophobic jokes. And the punchline was always just kind of like, oh, being gay, like, haha, that's funny, right? And I think that, you know, I don't know what your guys' experiences was like with coming out and, you know, when you guys decided to do it. But for me, I was always looking for a reason to not come out, right? And when you're trying to find those things of like, where you're already questioning everything and you're picturing the worst case scenario and then you hear people talking like that it doesn't really make you feel like oh now's the time i'm going to come out and it's all going to be okay yeah no that's so fair i mean i remember thinking oh well i wouldn't want to come out while my grandma's alive because she's uber religious and i wouldn't want her to like not love me anymore you know things like that and of course she was one of the first people that found out like was told by my mom but also connor and i came out to each other first before we came out to everyone else oh. so we were lucky that we had someone else, you know, but I'm curious too, because I know that your public coming out was more, I mean, I guess more recent, but you'd come out privately to your family, right? Like a long time ago. Yeah. Like a very long time ago. I, I had been saying in interviews that I came out when I was 12 and my mom fact checked me and she's like, no, you were actually 11, Devin. And I was like, oh, I guess, wow. I guess I was 11. <laughs> That's young. That's awesome. That is really young to come out. Yeah, my parents were always just very, like, extremely supportive to the point where, like, I didn't even really understand what they were saying or supporting. But, like, they always would grow up just telling me, like, you know, no matter who you love, like, we're always going to love you. And I just, those are some of my, like, earliest memories of me being, like, four years old, being like, I don't know what that means, but, like, leave me alone, mom. <laughs> and um, when the time came where I figured it out, I just, I didn't hesitate. I was... I was, you know, very happy to tell him, even though it was obviously nerve wracking. 
Yeah. Was there like, what was the impetus for coming out at 11? If you, if you don't mind sharing, was there like a, did you have a crush on someone at, at school or something and you just wanted to tell your parents or? I think I definitely had a few crushes. Um, there was actually a very like specific person who kind of helped me realize it. I had met somebody um, at the school I was going to who was like quite a few years older than me. I went to like a weird alternative school for a few years where there was like age mixing. So I was like 11 and he was like oh. 15. That's a whole other story about that about that school. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was amazing. His name was actually Tom Solo, and now he actually is like a shoe designer, and he's done shoes for like Demi Lovato and Lady Gaga. But at the time, he was the only like out person that I knew, and he just kind of helped me realize that I was having a lot of the same feelings that he was having, and kind of interested in some of the same people at the school that he was. Oh, that's so cute. I, I love that. And shout out to, to Tom for being like a kinky boots type person making uh, shoes for fabulous people in the world. So you were obviously out personally when you met Fergus. When did you guys meet? So we met while he was doing research in Boston. Um, and he hates when I tell this detail. So I'm going to make sure that I tell it every time is that <laughs> is that he was in Boston doing research at Harvard Labs doing sleep deprivation studies on fruit flies. And <laughs> that was actually one of the details in the article that like first came out when I came out. And everybody was just latching on to that one detail being like, is sleep deprivation on fruit flies a thing? <laughs> like, what? That sounds like a Mad Libs, like you truly just picked the most random couple of things and put it together. I've never wondered if they have it, but now I'm, I need to get Fergus on the pod to ask him if what he found, because I need to know. He will gladly be on, although he will be resentful that I put him into a podcast where he has to talk about flies. <laughs> so obviously you were in Boston. How did the two of you meet? Was it like through an app or like at a, at a club or? Was it at Club Cafe? <laughs> no, it was it was on an app and the app shall remain nameless because we're holding out to see which one offers us a nice sponsorship. <laughs> no, just kidding. Gotta respect um, the hustle. We I gotta respect did the hustle. Meet... <laughs> we did meet on an app and yeah, we just started talking through that and then we organized a date and hit it off really well. And we ended up seeing each other for, I think it was around nine months or so while he was in Boston. Um, like I think maybe a month after we met, we started like officially dating and now it's been about three and a half years or so. Oh my God, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a long time. And then was how much of it was long distance beyond that? Yeah, so I was gonna mention that. So it's been three and a half years, but about two and a half of that has been long distance. Um, and you know, one of those years was during the pandemic, obviously, which wasn't exactly a uh, easy test for the relationship, but that's one of those kinds of things that led to me coming out was because we were doing, you know, having such a difficult time being apart that that was just one small thing, you know, to me was a smallish thing that I could do that would make us immediately feel better was something that I had control over that I could just come out and, you know, basically write sort of an open love letter to him, appreciating him for being all those years. That's so cute. That is so precious. <laughs> I And you too, the pictures, We'll obviously share photos of the two of you when this episode comes out, but you two are so cute together and the smiles on your faces are just contagious. Can I still say contagious in a pandemic world anyways? <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I love it. I'm I, I'm so glad that you guys have been able to spend time together for the last couple of months. I know that struggle. My boyfriend and I were long distance for like pretty much for five years. So, and now we finally live yeah. together. So it's like truly the best time right now. It's just like not having to like, 
text each other good night. We can actually just say it to each other. You know, it's it's such a different world. Yeah, we're working towards that right now. Hopefully, hopefully soon. He's actually going to be coming over to the U.S. in the um, fall, ideally, to do some more research, taking a year off of medical school. So hopefully, we're going to be together for a year for that. So that would be awesome. So you know, fingers crossed, we'll be able to have much more time together in the future. I hope so. Yeah, I'm glad you guys have been able to spend Pride Month together. Although, is it Pride Month around the world in June? I'm, I'm all of a sudden realizing I don't know but <laughs> it is it's a global thing which is yeah it is kind of weird because it's like different places celebrate different times but yeah it's it's fully pride month anywhere you go basically you even saw a couple pride flags up here in wales so we were happy to see that oh that's cute okay so we do like to ask all of our guests about their ring of keys moment and usually it's about you know pertaining to a life in the arts but we've had guests before where we asked some sort of about how it pertains to just when they discovered their passion mm. so i'll ask you devin do you feel like you have a ring of keys moment where you realized what you're passionate about, whether it be sports or or otherwise. So this is something that you obviously get asked quite a bit when you're talking about like a coming out journey of like, you know, what sparked your coming out journey and things like that. And if I'm thinking about just rugby, I think it's really hard for me to pinpoint because I always love sports and rugby. Honestly, my ring of keys was just the fact that I was decent at it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with this because I want to be good at something. But one that I was thinking about is, you know, not one that I've ever actually really talked about publicly. The very first time that I ever actually had this idea that like, maybe I could come out and maybe that could be something that would, you know, not only mean a lot to me and my partner, but maybe that would really inspire other people and, you know, have an impact was actually the night after we won the 2018 national championship. So it was one of those nights where it was like a crazy party, right? And everybody's obviously going nuts. We're all setting the town on fire essentially because we just won and we'd actually only won by one point as well. So it was just like crazy victory and- Nail biter. Very much so a nail biter. And actually a few days or maybe a week before the national championship, I had gone because we had a week off we had gone on the weekend to P-Town and I went there with my partner who was Fergus at the time, of course. And we were walking down the street in P-Town. We were there with a couple of his friends. And as I'm walking, coming the other direction, who is it but the captain of my rugby team, Mystic River. And I wasn't out in rugby at that time. You know, I was still really only out to close friends and my family. And I see him and obviously I'm a little bit like awkward and kind of uncomfortable, but I'm also like, I'm not just going to like shove Fergus into the alleyway and be like, hey, what are you doing? So I did very, I just like went up to him and was just like, hey, and I was just like, you know, this, he was there with his girlfriend. I was like, hey, this is my partner, Fergus and all that stuff. And, you know, talked to him a little bit away from Fergus, like it still didn't really like bring Fergus into the conversation, but just was very much like, you know, this is Fergus. And later that day, we had this conversation about, you know, where he was still kind of like hurt because he's like, you know, he still doesn't feel like we could fully share a relationship and was starting to wonder, like, you know, when will we be able to do that? And is that something, you know, is it because you're ashamed of me or is it because, you know, you just don't feel comfortable sharing that? So fast forward, we win the national championship and we're all kind of sitting there and celebrating. And I'd had this kind of idea, maybe I can come out the national championship, but then same thing as, you know, as you Dylan, or I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to distract, you know, you always find an excuse. I don't want to distract the team. It's not about me. And we're sitting around at like a campfire basically after the national championship and, you know, everyone's drunk. I'm not much of a drinker, so I'm pretty much dead sober. And my coach is just sort of talking about how much it really gets on his nerve that there's so much ego on among players who are amateurs. And he's just like, you know, 
what I don't understand is amateur rugby players, like you are all a dime a dozen. Like you are going to go through your career. You can be an incredibly successful amateur rugby player. And it's not going to mean anything to anybody besides yourself. He's like, you could be one of the best there is in the world. It's not really going to matter. And when he said that, I realized like it is very much true, right? That rugby career is, is for you and it's, it's not really for anybody else. But then for me, I realized, well, I actually could do something really unique and something really impactful that like I could look back and be proud on. That's not just like being a really good rugby player. So I think that was the first time where it really, really clicked with me that this could be something. Maybe I just won division one national championship. Maybe I could push to be a professional and do something that nobody else has done. So I think that was like a really big spark moment for me. I love that story so much. It's, it's truly like a sequence of events. And that's what I think makes like the ring of keys moment so special is that you can really pinpoint this to this, to this, to this. Um, I'm curious about your encounter with the captain of your team. Did he, what was his reaction when you explained who Fergus was? He was great. I mean, I also am very fortunate to be like, you know, in Boston, Massachusetts in the Northeast and also like he's in P-Town. So I don't think you can necessarily <laughs> be there for a weekend if you're not like pretty okay with <laughs> being around the LGBTQ community and like being yeah. supportive of that. So yeah, he was great. And I mean, you know, I think obviously he was a little bit surprised at first because it was just like a very, like we weren't expecting to see each other, let alone for him to be introduced to my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. um, but no, he actually like, we had a really brief conversation, but then after I like, you know, kind of went my separate ways, he like texted me and was like, hey, me and my girlfriend are like having drinks at this place if you and Fergus want to come and like join us for a bit. I, we had other stuff going on, so we didn't go and join them, but like, yeah, he was really cool about it and, you know, didn't, I never said to him like, oh, don't tell anybody, like, this is just something, but I don't think he ever really went and said anything about it. I think he just, yeah, he just wanted me to feel like it was normal and it was, it was okay. Wow. I love when people surprise you in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of people have come out to me or they've talked to me about coming out and stuff. And I'll, mm. I'll say to them, you know what, you actually never know what someone's reaction is going to be when you come out to them. And if you're lucky, they'll be happy. You know, maybe you'll be surprised. It's because it, I was surprised too by a lot of reactions when I came out in a good way, in a good way. Um, and unfortunately in some bad ways too, but you know what I mean? So I, I, I actually, I'm obsessed with that story. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Maybe I should start telling it a little bit more because usually I focus on some other other parts of the sequence. But no, it's the first time I've actually I've actually told that story. So I'm glad you guys liked it. But it's funny you say that about being surprised by people's reactions because I actually lived with my best friend Roman in two different countries playing rugby. So I lived with him in Australia and I lived with him in New Zealand and was completely in the closet in Australia. And he came to fly to New Zealand to live with me. And when he got there, when I went to pick him up from the airport, I was like, I'm just going to tell him. I'm like, we're going to be living with each other for like another year. I'm like, I'm just going to get it over with and tell him because I know he's my best friend. He probably won't really care, but he's like a very masculine kind of guy. He's got a massive beard, huge dreadlocks. He's very much like the straight kind of a guy. And we're driving up from the airport and I just tell him, I'm just like, hey, you know, just so you know, I, at the time I came out to him as like, you know, bisexual. It was like basically like, you know, I'm also into guys basically. And when I told him that I was bisexual, he was like, oh, so you finally started hooking up with girls. <laughs> and, I was oh. like, <laughs> and that was just like, even though it's one of the things it's like, all right, it's kind of like a crass thing to say to somebody. It was just him. It was uh -huh. just his way of just being like, yes, I don't care. Like, it's not it's not a thing to me. 
That's so funny. I remember I, when I came out to one of my like more street friends, Cody is his name, and at, we came out in a car when we told him and that we were living together for that summer. And I remember when we like parked and we were going inside, he, he had been like drinking and he had to pee. And he was like, look, I'm peeing in front of you guys. I, I don't care that you're gay. Like, it's okay. You know what I mean? And that was one of those moments too where I was like, oh, that's like so cute that this is how he's equating comfortability and acceptance that like it does, he, he'll still pee while I'm standing five feet away. You know what I mean? So just goes to say you don't have to always say the right thing exactly as long as you're just saying the right thing in terms of the right intent sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes the right intent is okay i am curious just about what life has been like in the uk because i know that covid and vaccines and different things like that have sort of been different like it's open it's closed like things have really changed but you've gotten to at least do some fun things it seems how have things been for you it's been great and yeah i mean i wasn't expecting to be able to play rugby and like i got to play like quite a few games this season which i was oh, really nice. happy about and yeah, I got to go and I did some, like I did a talk at a school outside of Brighton in the UK that was really cool. And honestly, what I spent a lot of my time on was because, you know, Fergus was obviously still in medical school, so he's out during most of the weekdays. And I really just put a lot of time into doing the fundraising stuff and mm -hmm. just kind of like, it was a really full, like much more intensive than I would have expected. Just like emailing people all day, just like DMing people and begging them, just being like, would you please like share this for me? It's uh -huh. a good cause. And just like <laughs> doing that, just like a full-time job. Um, but yeah, it's been great to kind of just get away from my usual routine and also just like put more time into, you know, trying to spread my story a little bit more, trying to get more into doing public speaking and you know it's been a really valuable time and obviously me and Fergus got to do a lot of traveling you know we got to go yeah. to Oxford and things like that we're both fully vaccinated so you know we were able to, to kind of travel safely and not be too concerned about that so yeah it's it's been awesome and as I mentioned also uh, we got to see Death Drop which was oh, a yes. nice nice experience getting to see that live <laughs> yes yeah, so you're not a huge theater guy you said but you do you do appreciate it right I'm just not a huge theater guy in the sense that like I haven't gone to see it a lot but like I really do like I really do enjoy and Fergus is like a massive theater guy, like does musical musical theater himself, Aww. like is absolutely huge into it. So he's taken me to quite a few over the years. He took me to um, Book of Mormon when they were touring okay. Boston, which was like awesome. Really love Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. We've seen um, everybody's talking about Jamie twice on the West End. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm the movie trailer looks great. I'm, I really want to see the stage show. Oh my god, I can't wait to see the movie. I like absolutely love that show, and, and we want to see Leighton Williams because it. Ended ended up just being like one of the back like one of the um understudies who was doing the role and Fergus was just like so disappointed not because the understudy was bad but just because he was like <laughs> the big reason I took you to the show is because like I think Leighton Williams is one of the most like incredible performers I've ever seen and then when we did go back to see it I was like okay I can see why you were a bit disappointed he is amazing <laughs> Now, did you see it with any of, because I know they had a bunch of different celebs stepping in and out. Was Bianca Del Rio in it when you saw it? Oh, I just missed Bianca by like literally, I think like a few weeks. I missed Bianca, oh. but I did get to see pre-Drag Race UK Vinegar living her best life. Oh yeah. my God, I forgot that she did that. That's right. Yeah. She was on it since the original cast, actually. So she'd oh, been doing fun. it for ages. Yeah, really one of my favorite shows. Like, I really, really enjoyed that. Another show with, like, a beautiful story. Um, wait, so how was Death Drop? Is it a parody play of, like, a murder mystery or something like that that has drag queens in it? Yeah, it's very much, like, a parody play, like, drag show kind of brought to the West End kind of vibes. Like, it's it's a fun show, and it's just, like, yeah, they, they have, like, really, like, over-the-top 
characters like for example all the roles of women are played by men and all the roles of men are played by women so it's like very much like that gender swap vibe so like one of the really funny characters in the show is like a is basically a drag king character called rich whiteman um so like it's very much just like very silly kind of like stupid humor and they're just all having a lot of fun with it but like willem was awesome like willem willem was showing off the voice living their best life Yes, I heard that she sings in the show. That's so fun. Yeah. How was Latrice? Latrice was good too, but I think that doesn't exactly have the same vocal chops as Willem does. But, you know, I'm not going to hate on the Queens. I'm not a theater expert. You know, I thought that Latrice was incredible. But yeah, if we're comparing just like the vocals and stuff, like Willem was definitely a step above. Of course. Well, she's got her music career too, so. Exactly. Oh my God, I love it. So you you started to talk about the, the fundraiser that you were doing, and that's taken up a lot of your time and I, I think Dylan mentioned you raised over $8,000, right? Yeah. For the Transgender Law Center? Yeah, in the end, we raised just over 8500 actually, which was awesome because we had originally set out just to raise 5000 over four weeks. And like we managed to raise even more than that. So yeah, we were really happy with that, especially because, you know, they're a translate organization and they're actually the biggest translate organization in the US. And I think that one of the things you see is that corporations are completely unwilling to donate to trans specific causes, Mm -hmm. even if it's during pride month. So, you know, to be able to raise a decent chunk of money for them was awesome because I think it really just showed the power of, you know, the community just coming together and individual donations can obviously lead to a very big, you know, I think an impactful amount in the end. I was really happy with how it turned out. Congrats. That's That's so massive. I mean, I think that right now, like the spotlight should absolutely be turned on anything regarding trans people because the persecution and just the the exclusion has been so much lately. I mean, there's so many bills even going through like Congress and the Senate right now that are prohibiting trans people from having just basic rights. It makes me feel sick and sad, especially during Pride Month. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely heartbreaking. I think the number is over 130 anti-trans pieces of legislation Mm -hmm. have been introduced this year. So, you know, seeing that and, you know, I'd originally mentioned on the Race Chaser podcast, you guys listened, but for those who didn't, I'd mentioned about a world rugby ban where they banned trans women from international competition Mm -hmm. just last year. And unfortunately, there wasn't really anything I could do for that. They weren't going to be voting on it anytime soon, other than raising awareness. There wasn't any like direct cause I could give to. So I actually got approached by the artist Richie Lopez, who I partnered with for the fundraiser off of that race chaser episode. He was a fan of the podcast and listened and we had already followed each other and was like, hey, I heard you mention this. Would you want to like partner up and raise money for, you know, this cause? And I was like, well, same thing. There isn't really anything we can do for that. But there is this more pressing issue where now they're trying to block healthcare and trying to block, you know, kids from playing sports. So like maybe we can try to find an organization impacting that. And that's how we came across Trans Law Center. Wow. Well, thank you for the work you've done. It's 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 criminal what they're doing to trans people, children. You know, it's just it's sick. So is the fundraiser over? Can people still donate? It is still over, but obviously Trans Law Center is not going to uh, be turning away any donations. Yeah. <laughs> so you can definitely go and donate to the Trans Law Center. And yeah, that would be amazing because actually earlier this year, they put out a call to help raise $100,000 because of, you know, just such an increase in demand for their services because they provide, you know, legal advocacy to trans people, either be it in you know, the schools or the workplace. And then they also have all these awesome like community programs where they basically empower trans people and give them the you know resources to tell their stories and try to 
you know, give them more visibility so that they can just sort of put a face on the fact that this is a human issue that is affecting real people. It's not just, you know, something that you can slap onto a Senate floor and it's not really going to impact anybody. Like it has devastating effects. Well, thanks for all the work you're doing. This is, see, look, this is like, it goes back to that night around the campfire, thinking about how you can make an impact. It's, there's different ways that I'm sure you never even imagined when you made the decision to publicly come out that you'd be able to change lives and impact the world. So thank you, Devin. It's really awesome. Oh, no, honestly, it's my pleasure. I mean, like I said, a year ago, I was just another, you know, amateur rugby player who, you know, nobody really knew who I was. And I signed that contract and, you know, went on to do this. And to be able to even do anything like this, like, is honestly just an honor for me. I was just really happy. You know, when people are like, oh, you know, thank you for using your platform for this. I'm like, why wouldn't I? Like, it's, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't even have a platform. I don't even know how this happened. I'm like, if I can use it for this, like, I'm really happy to do that. So it's been awesome to see that. And it's been awesome to see that also people are willing to support it and that like people in the rugby community have been happy to, you know, stand behind the cause. And I'm just really happy, yeah, that I'm even here being visible enough to even do something like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's been great. Now, looking back at like just in, in rugby in general, what is, what is your dream? for the the sport and your involvement with it? Well, I'm not too old just yet. So there is still some playing I would like to do. You know, playing professionally is great. And I'm, you know, hopefully we'll still do some more of that in the future. But it was never really the goal for me. I really just fell in love with rugby and wanted to keep playing it at the highest level possible. And honestly, I think there is a little bit too much of an obsession with focusing on the top level of the sport, you know, like most of rugby players is not going to be happening at the professional level. And I think the most beautiful part of rugby is happening outside of the professional level. So I want to just be doing as much grassroots as I can be playing a really high level, whether it's professional or not, I'm not too fussed as long as I'm having a good time and I'm still being challenged and, you know, improving as a player and then really just trying to lean fully into doing public speaking and advocacy and also being able to spend time with my partner and not being, you know, separated all the time. So I think it's really just opened up all these amazing opportunities that I never really would have thought would have been possible. And, you know, now realizing that people like to hear my voice, that's a nice, that's a nice bonus. So I might, (laughs) I might lean into that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) You must, you could be narrating audio books, Devin. I mean, you have such a great voice. The tone is just fantastic. You should host a podcast. <laughs> that has actually been floated uh, before. So stay tuned. There might be some might be some uh, things done with that with, with Fergus and I potentially in the, in the semi near future. So we'll see. Oh, <laughs> all right. So we are sadly wrapping up here and we'd like to end on a dose of drama, something to leave our listeners, you know, pointing them in the direction of something, something to listen to consume, maybe an Instagram page to follow. Maybe it's that gay rugger. Who knows? But anyway, I'm feeling dramatic because... I did something that I didn't think I would do this week, which was binge the entire new season of The Handmaid's Tale. And Dylan's going to kill me for talking about this because it's okay. It's okay. You were like, you're like, no, we're not talking about it on the pod. But I have to say, I just think it's really dark. It is really, really dark. But have you seen it, Devin? I got through, I think, the first season. And then we started the second season. And I was like, it's too dark. I'm, I'm bound out. I'm like, I just, I can't do so it. So dark. <laughs> so dark. Well, you know, and finally it, in season four, even like halfway through season four, it, it the show is finally allowing itself to change. And I think it used to be a show about the, you know, the restrictions and oppressions placed on women in a society not too far from today. And now the show I think is growing into like what happens next mm. when maybe you're free from that oppression and is it is it about finding peace? Is it about revenge? Is are they more, fo- more focused on honesty? It, it's really becoming more interesting to me now than ever. So if if y'all have turned The Handmaid's Tale off, 
I kind of do recommend season four. And it's a good binge. You can like click through like the boring long things because um, it was really good. And the acting is still good. And um, it's really it. But I, I want to just say season four was I was good. It was solid. I, I liked it. I love it. A solid case, Connor. Um, my dose of drama is, um, since this is like the last episode we're releasing during Pride Month, I'll make it about something queer. And it actually ties in because Devin is friends with former guest and friend of the pod, David Atherton, who recommended we th- read this book called Shuggy Bane, which is like this Scottish story about a young gay boy growing up and basically taking care of his alcoholic mother. And I read it. It was kind of a dense read, but you know, I, I always I always do the dose of drama that the guest recommends because I want to be, you know, loyal to our, our guests. And I sobbed at the ending. It is so beautiful. And it's a great story about um, a child's relationship to their parents and you know, being gay in sort of a different society. And I really do recommend it. It is, like I said, it's a dense read. If you travel a lot, you can read it on planes. It, it was very good. It's not necessarily a beach read, which I think most people drift to towards the summer, but I now second Shuggy Bane as a dose of drama. Love it. Devin, do you have a dose of drama to share with us today? So have you guys been watching Drag Race España? <laughs> it's next. We're going to do it next. We're, we're still... We only like to do one season at a time because it can be too much, but that is definitely next. So I've been watching Drag Race España and I am a massive fan, but also part of the dose of drama is Fergus is like a lot less into Drag Race than I am. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a big fan of Drag Race and I actually introduced him to Drag Race and he finally put his foot down because we we watched UK, we watched season, you know, we watched season 13. We watch, we're watching Down Under, and he was like, I'm not yes. watching Drag Race España with you. And I was like, you know what, fine, because now I'll get through the episodes faster. So no worries. Yeah, yeah. So I've been absolutely loving it. Like the looks they've had on the season, trans representation they've had on the season. Like it has just been an awesome season. Very happy to see it. And I also love the host. Like the host is really captivating to me. And it's really cool just seeing how they've like really brought Spanish culture into the show. And yeah, I'm also just really impressed with the Queens and just like their makeup and like their looks, like it's awesome. So definitely you guys don't skip that season because I'm a big fan. I I appreciate the pitch for it because I was feeling a little inundated, but I think it's that one of the, either, either the host or one of the judges is like super hot. It's like this, I don't know if he's like this like model or something over there in Spain, but I don't, I don't even know, but I was like, that might be reason to watch. But then, um, you know, I was thinking a lot of my favorite Queens over the years have been the Latin Queens and, and then they haven't really gotten their due. I think the only Latin winner of the main series of drag race is Bianca Del Rio. True. So I'm going to watch España. You should. And yeah, so many of them have been hampered by the fact that they were like, oh, your English really let you down in this challenge. And I'm like, now it's not mm-hmm. an issue in drag race España. And yeah, the, the like panel of judges they have is amazing. They're all like really, really knowledgeable. And yeah, I've been, I've been very happy with the season so far. So definitely would recommend it. Does Rue still do like the, the welcome messages and all that no no it's fully it's fully um okay. supreme is is what her name is and she's incredible and did you guys also watch um did you watch drag race holland i really recommend holland i actually like really liked a lot of the queens on holland and <laughs> i won't give any spoilers but one of my favorite queens in the season also ends up having like one of the absolute worst looks that has ever been on the main stage to a very comical degree <laughs> and it is worth seeing <laughs> okay well i i love that that's always fun but then it becomes like camp and it's like legend yeah. forever that it's a bad look you know 
Yeah, especially because they were so good before that as well. It was like one of those things where it's just like, oh, this is an absolute fun runner. And then it's just like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one to recover from. I love that. That, that makes it interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Devin, thank you so much for joining us for this, this closing episode of Pride Month. It's truly been a pleasure to get to meet you and hear your story and see all the good that you're putting out into the world. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really happy that I came on and I would definitely like to come back sometime. Or if you'd like to have Fergus on, let me know. He does. He has done a pod or two in the past. I hope we can meet you in real life, too, once you're back over in the States and, and all is uh, well to connect again. Yeah, absolutely. Down to Boston. Happy to meet up. Would love that. All right. Well, of course, everyone can, should find you on social media. You are that gay rugger. Yeah, thank you. You can find me Instagram, Twitter, all of all of the platforms, pretty much. You can go to TikTok. You'll be disappointed, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's all that matters. And of course, everyone, if you're not already, follow us at The Drama Podcast and me at Dylan McDowell and Connor at Connor McDowell. And Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama! Drama.